Hey, listeners, this is Marcia Epstein at the dining room table of Talk With Me in Lawrence, Kansas. I like this because I sit, I get to sometimes be with my guests. Sometimes I have to imagine them because we're just connected through technology. But I can always see outside, get a glimpse of what's going on in the real world, if it's that. Yesterday was April Fool's Day, as well as the start of National Poetry Month. I like that part. So today's April 2nd here in Lawrence, Kansas. April Fool to us means we still have a little bit of snowy stuff on the ground, which isn't typical for us, but here it is. There it was. Anyway, I'm excited about April. I love April anyway in terms of things that happen. I love the different extra events, extra attention being paid to poetry and seeing that that kind of grow in my own community and more. I'm happy about that. In April, I also get the opportunity to spend time at a national conference with my suicide prevention peeps and those honestly are a lot of the same kinds of people as my artist friends. Um, That's one of those things that I realized is that there's a lot of stuff in common, a lot of interest in connecting and compassion and openness. You know, it's, it's a cool thing to be a little bit in both worlds, as I say, at the intersection of art and mental health. And today I get to catch up with a friend from another part of the country and think about things that are coming up this year, both things that he's involved with as the main creator, as well as this huge October thing that is called Fountainverse, and we'll mention that. Lots of good stuff going on, and so I want to stop blabbing and get to, in the moment, my guest. Welcome, John Burroughs. Hi, Marcia. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to do this. It's been a long time since we've talked, and there's so much going on. I I love catching glimpses of you on Facebook, in particular, you and your buddy Diane Borsenek, the two poet publishers, dynamic duo in, in lots of events. <laughs> yeah. So, so for people who haven't already encountered you and Crisis Chronicles Press, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, 53 years old. I've been uh, publishing for about 10 years under Crisis Chronicles. This is our 10th anniversary. We'll be in uh, June. Cool. And uh, we've published 97 books by wow. a lot of great Ohio poets, but also poets from all over the uh, the world, really. Uh-huh. And, uh, yes, uh, Diane was uh, an integral part in me getting involved in publishing, uh, and uh, she's been a good friend great friend for 10 years and or more actually and uh we're looking forward to coming back out to missouri kansas in the next month yes yes in fact you're going to be here in a couple weeks you're going to be coming to this area when i'm going to dc but anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh darn it well that means we have to come back then (laughs) and you will you'll be here in october right (laughs) that's right yeah it's true, yeah. So you and poetry, you know, that's a long and deep connection to be both a writer and a publisher. And and I'm wondering how that became something that you knew this is this is important for me to do. This is who I am. Well, I began writing poetry back in high school, you know, uh to to impress a uh a teacher who, you know, I found, you know, attractive, uh, you know, being the teenage boy with the raging hormones. And this teacher took interest in me and called me a poet and asked if I'd written any more poems. And I had only written that one, but I told her I had, you know, because (laughs) I wanted to impress her. Uh And uh, so I started writing, writing, writing. And, uh, but mostly for myself or, you know, for the boxes in my attic until uh, much later in life did I really start submitting and doing, uh, getting involved in the poetry community. And and really in uh, 2008, when I started the press, it was kind of by accident. 
I had been writing. I'd been uh, blogging my poems, uh, which is how I met Diane and a bunch of other uh, poets across the country, and got talked into finally going to a, my first live poetry reading. And I was scared to death, you know. It's kind of funny now because people think, oh, John, uh, you know, he has such an easy time of getting up in front of audiences, but it wasn't always the case. I was scared to death. I went to this poetry reading and people liked my poems in person too. They weren't just saying it online, you know, well, at least a couple I shared, you know, I shared the, the only two good ones, you know, at the time, uh-huh. <laughs> or, but, or what I thought were the only two good ones. And, uh, and also I had a few people ask me, Hey, do you have a chapbook? Do you have, can I buy some of your poems? And I didn't. Uh-huh. And Diane said, you know, Hey, you can make your own chat and book. You know, a lot of people do that, you know? Yeah. So I st- I made my own chat book. And then I decided, you know, I'd make one for her of her poems. Uh-huh. And that was the second book I published. And then suddenly, you know, I started getting submissions from people all over, including a lot of poets who had been around a long time who I greatly admired. Uh-huh. And I was started publishing other people's books, so it kind of. <laughs> it's just. Kinda... I never really intended to start a press, you know, but uh, it organically happened. Uh huh. And I'm, you know, I'm always curious also about that that part of publishing because I'm thinking even in ten years, how people publish has changed a lot. So what's what's that process like? Oh, well, de- yeah, it's definitely, I mean, for me, you know, I've evolved a lot as a publisher. Uh, uh-huh. At first, you know, mo- mostly what I was doing was printing things out on my home computer, uh-huh. uh, folding and stapling them myself and, uh-huh. you know, and taking them to readings and just handing them out for free to people uh, or, you know, but now, you know, we've, we gradually evolved, so we were doing, you know, full paperback, you know, uh, bigger, professionally bound. I, I use professionally in quotation marks, but uh, uh-huh. books. And uh, I think I'm a more exacting editor. I'm, you know, when I first started, I was just publishing everything I liked, you know, by... Mm-hmm. Uh, Anybody who sent it to me, I'd be like, oh, I like this. I'm going to publish it, you know. And and I didn't really, I I didn't, I wasn't as much a hands-on editor. It was more, it was more like a broadcaster, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, here are some pretty tasty apples. Let me spread these seeds everywhere. And, uh, and I didn't really have as much comfort in like maybe suggesting things that might make things better or, you know, uh, uh, so I think one way I've evolved besides the, uh, going from stapling to professional <laughs> binding is, uh, also becoming a, a better, more sensitive editor. Uh-huh. Um, trying to bring out the best in the person's work, which, which is not to say, you know, I, I am, like to change people's stuff because I don't. I, I avoid that whenever possible because the poet is the final arbiter of what the poet is trying to say, you know. But if I can help, you know, sometimes uh, make things, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah. So I think I take more time now uh-huh. uh, than I did instead of just churning them out. Uh, yeah, I, I take more time and more care. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I didn't care in the past, because I did, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I. so I guess that's how I've evolved, you know, as a publisher. Yeah. I think, I think, like, I notice different things that I've collected even over the past just, I don't know, four or five years, you know, and, and some are still, from, from reading, some are still, you know, copied at the copy store, folded and stapled. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I love those because to me, it's like, 
it's mm-hmm. it's what's in them. But then I'm also aware that there are certain books that that the way they look and the way the paper feels makes it even a richer experience. And I appreciate that too. And and yeah, I, wanted, I think you know. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I and I, I am I definitely love a lot of these. Uh, the chapbooks, the staple bound hand printed, a lot of times that is the most magical stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, people are just putting their souls out there. So uh-huh. I have great honor and respect for those uh, who still do that. And I do it once in a while still. Uh-huh. But I guess uh, part of what led me to evolve to um, more professional binding was just that I couldn't get all those books like, for example, into a library. You yeah. know, a lot of libraries don't want the stable-bound chapbooks. Yeah. Or like if I'm going to a book fair, it would always be the one with a professional binding would be the one that these strangers picked up on my table instead of the stapled ones, you know. So uh, yeah. I thought maybe I should uh, go to some doing some perfect-bound uh, paperbacks just to get more people interested in the books and get them in more venues, you know, be able to sell them on barnesandnoble.com or whatever, you know, but anyway, uh, sorry, I interrupted you. (laughs) I'm eager to ask about your new book in that I recognize the cover artist and thought, well, this is a very cool collaboration so I'm wondering what you will tell us about Lost and Foundering, your book that's coming out this week. Oh, well, uh, yeah, the cover artist is Bree, who uh, is one of those people who inspired me to uh, get involved in publishing, too. Uh-huh. Because, you know, uh, for years before I was publishing, she ran Green Panda Press. And, you know, I mean, was publishing books by all sorts of people I admire. And she did them in weird, quirky, unique ways. I mean, her books didn't look like anybody else's. You know, they were hand creations, beautiful works of art. And uh, I was fortunate uh, that she published one of my early chapbooks. And then later I was able to reciprocate and and publish one of hers. But yeah, she, I I was just thrilled with that art. I'm thrilled that Diane chose uh, Bree's art to go on the cover. And, and Diane, the publisher for Night Ballet Press, really did a wonderful job uh, putting this book together and making it look very nice. You know, I, I'm, I just love holding it in my hands. I, I feel so proud of it. But a lot of that does Brie and Diane, you know. Uh, uh-huh. the, the poems are, um, well, last year... Um, in February, my wife passed away after a long illness. And prior to that, I kind of went through the same thing of being a caregiver for my mother who passed away in 2013. And so uh, I also lost, you know, an uncle, an aunt, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law, all in a very short period of time. Uh, so the poems come from that place of uh, having experienced all this loss and not really knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still hard to write about a lot, a lot of the stuff, you know, uh, but, or even talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, you know, it, it was, yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it really. So it's a, it's a mixture. Some of the poems were written, you know, this year, January. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were written, you know, a few years ago. But they all are, are informed by this whole feeling of ongoing loss and, and, how, I, I, and how I deal with it. Mm-hmm. And even with the, you know, the, the recent presidential election, you know, it is touched on in the book. Because mm-hmm. to me, you know, that felt, that seemed to exacerbate my feeling of loss. Yeah. And, uh, and hopelessness. Yeah. And, you know, I had never really lived by myself my entire life. And except for maybe a couple months when I was 19. 
so uh, yeah, so that's that's where the foundering uh, came in 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 the book title. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a lovely you know kind of lost and foundering as opposed to lost and found. You know, I, for me that that playful word combination and even though the topic is not playful and it's very accurate um, language, it's uh, that that kind of automatic brain link to lost and found and knowing that's not quite what it is. <laughs> it's, it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, that those are some of the kinds of poems that, that need to be shared because there are so many people who relate to those experiences and don't get to talk about it and wonder if they're, you know, okay. And so like, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, like when I, when I think about how I sort of connect different books that I have, I have um, <clears throat> Taylor Molly has a, has a book that came out, I think just a little, maybe late in 2017, I don't really remember, it's a pretty recent book called The Wetting, W-H-E-T-T-I-N-G, Stone. Mm. Uh, it's a collection inspired by his first wife's death uh, from suicide. And his and Edward Hirsch has this beautiful book that's one long poem, Gabriel, um, in, in honor and memory of his son who died of an accidental drug overdose um, at a young age. And Alexis Roan Fancher has the the Joshua Elegies collection related to her son who died of a cancer and 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 you know it's like so so I have it's like okay so I have my these books that that I often share with people like you know, this this will be something that will touch you and and that way will comfort you and I have this set of kind of hope books um, in terms of you know things that that people um, are clearly inspiring the the ability to to get through things in terms of how their poetry that particular collection is themed and you know different kinds of things in 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 poetry and to me that's part of the beauty of that that type of art again is that sometimes we don't talk about stuff we need to talk about, you know, and, and then we get scared of it and scared of how we are. And so it's a huge gift um, to, for people to be able to experience that stuff. And it's also a huge gift when we share things that people just get to laugh about, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not only on, on the side of let's immerse in things that are painful, but, but that we need to acknowledge <laughs> that man, life has beauty, life has love, life has fun and joy. Yeah, life has loss, and and you don't get all the good stuff without sometimes the hard stuff, and that's something we need to acknowledge and know that that we that we can continue to live and love and have fun. I will just say on the serious side, my my favorite book to recommend to people who experience loss is this book called "It's Okay That You're Not Okay" by a woman named Megan Divine who. Um, her husband died in front of her at a relatively young age, and and so this shock of loss, you know, and and in that book there is like there there are these different chapters, and and she has uh, this like you don't have to read it in sequence, read whatever you want to read, but she recommends for people who who will do this, you know, writing as one of those tools, you know, whether you write to share or write just personally, anyway. I, I just, I, I'm always on that, you know, what, what do we get an opportunity to think about because we've been exposed to it through art is we might okay. think about something that we weren't going to think about. We didn't want to hear about it. And then it kind of sneaked up on us like, shoot, but it's good. It's very good. <laughs> well, I, so, now I have three, three new books to add to my list to, to read that one. <laughs> and, uh, and the, Alexis and uh, Taylor Molly books you talked about. Uh, I love both of their works, but I've never read those books. So, uh, yeah, lots of that that is out there, and and that's that's to me part of the overwhelm part is like, oh my gosh, there's no keep up with all the things I would like to. <laughs> but I don't want to mm-hmm. do nothing because I can't do them all. <laughs> Right. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a feeling there's going to be another book coming because I'm still in the process of, you know, working uh-huh. through it. And um, so I, and maybe yeah. there's a b- even better book coming out after, you know, I don't know. It's but, possible. Uh, yeah. But this, this one felt like a, a good first step to put something out there, you know, and uh, begin to deal with it in public yeah. writing. You know, uh, yeah. And and speaking of public, you are a traveling touring poet, um, and you've yeah. got a huge bunch of travels coming up, huh? Oh yeah. Um, um, next month, April, we're going to be heading out your way. We're reading in San Fran- uh, San Francisco, though. <laughs> St. Louis, on uh, the thirteenth at Foam, and then in Overland Park, Kansas, on the 14th <laughs> yeah, at the uh, inner urban inner urban art house so that's gonna be i'm really looking forward to that it's yeah. uh diane borsnick and i and jeanette powers and jason crew yeah and that event is also going to be the book release for uh jeanette powers new chapbook that diane and night ballet press is publishing so yeah. it's going to be a big big celebration because we'll all have new stuff, and and it's always good. I, I love coming out to Kansas City. I love Jeanette and uh, and Jason. Jason came and stayed at my house when he was in Cleveland last year, and it was uh-huh. good to get to know him. He's he's a nice, fun guy, a good poet. So, and that's sort of a little yeah. teaser about the October Fountainverse Small Press Poetry yeah. Festival, because. All of you are going to be part of that as well. Uh, yeah, this this yeah. April 14th thing is kind of like the appetizer, and then you get to come have the full uh, seven-course meal in October. Yeah, yeah. And and you go from Kansas City to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, keeping up your mm-hmm. middle-of-the-country tour. <laughs> yeah, I, I read in uh, Eureka Springs at Drew's, last year uh and it's a wonderful little place and the uh, foothills of the ozarks nice town they have great beer you know they make their own beer and uh <laughs> and they're very welcoming to poets you know they gave us two hours to read and uh so diane and i were like well we should invite some friends to read with us then and uh so we got john dorsey who lives in bell missouri and uh jason baldinger from uh-huh. pittsburgh who is on his way to Bell, Missouri, for a, a do a residency at the uh, Osage Arts Community? Uh-huh. So, and they're two of my favorite guys and poets. So, it's going to be a really good time too. And it's only like two hours south or two and a half hours south of uh, Kansas City. I'm not sure, uh-huh. but worth the drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting driving south from Kansas City though, um, because <laughs> I get scared, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because you you encounter more blatant reminders of the different belief systems within our country. Oh we, yeah. We last summer, my husband and dog and I uh, started kayaking, and so we took a a little trip south <laughs> to kayak. And and uh, as we're driving, I'm thinking. I'm seeing a lot of Confederate flags and stuff. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Kind of scared. <laughs> and we get to this town that that is where we're going, which is at a fork in the river. So it's a especially good place for kayaking. It's such as like, oh my god, I can't believe we're coming to a place like this. <laughs> Anyway, stay safe, John. It's probably good that your hair is shorter this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was starting to hear the theme from Deliverance in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had, a, we had a bad encounter at a gas station, and my husband doesn't even have long hair. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But he, but he's, but he's pretty, right? (laughs) We had come from, we had come from a wedding and the couple who got married are 
the the man is a really really important friend of mine, and they he is a trans man and and his their circle is very much the queer community, and we we are not but but Matthew's a, a dear friend and I was so happy to be at this wedding, and Kyle had specifically chosen to wear this it was a button down shirt. But it had it, the the color. It had basically rainbow stripes down the long way of the shirt. It was very much a rainbow <laughs> shirt. <laughs> it right. wasn't the right thing to wear on that particular trip. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just, just be safe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll just wear my rainbows on my underwear where no one can see them. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I I digress totally. How about getting us back on topic and maybe even sharing some poetry? Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, along that theme, uh, this is a poem from the new book, but it's uh, I threw it in there. I don't know. It fits because it's about loss, but uh, it's actually a poem I wrote after the passing of one of my pop idols, Prince. Oh, yes. So, uh, it seemed uh, to provide a little bit of levity to the, uh, to the uh, book, I guess, uh, as much as possible. But, uh, it's entitled From Genesis to Exodus. And I'm still looking for the poem. But, oh, here it is. From Genesis to Exodus, after Prince Rogers Nelson. In the beginning, there was God, and God was much more than a B-side to Purple Rain, the single before I would die for you. God was the one I called faggot in high school, several years before I knew better and became a true believer and bisexual. God was ubiquitous on MTV the summer I entered the Marine Corps at 17 and exited the Marine Corps still 17. Dazed. You're gonna have to fight your own damn war. God was there, purple, on screen, during my first blowjob at Tower Drive-In, and he was always there on my clock radio in Wilkes Villa, seen and known, unseen and unknowable, in my homeless backpack in Cascade Park, plugged into the table cassette player at the Lorraine County Community College Library, and in the background as I went down for the first time on Cassie's Raspberry Hooray. God was still there, a prince of a man, as I went through college, cut off my wannabe jerry curl, took a job at the gay bar, lost and found my identities again and again, and even when, through enforced sobriety and concrete cell walls, I watched 1999 come and go and raved unto the joy monastic. Joan Osborne asked, what if God was one of us? And he was, and he walked among us. And often we knew him not, especially when he became Jehovah's Witness and exorcised his songs from YouTube and bought into chemtrail conspiracy theories, Percocet pantomimes, and a fentanyl flatline. Because living can be painful, even when you're God especially when you're God. And in the 21st century, God was still here with us, even as TMZ declared him dead. And though I live on Alphabet Street, no psalm of mine can capture his new power glory. Wow. We get so to that was for Prince. Rose. Yeah, yeah. 
that's one that is that reminder of why it's so great to actually buy the book and then be able to look at that slowly and follow that way that we we hear it and long for it and then we can get more of it by having it in our own hands and you said that one's from loss and foundering your book that's coming out this week mm-hmm from night ballet nightballet.com yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to find it yeah yeah So yeah, you can read about Prince and my mom and my wife and you know Donald Trump and <laughs> no, I don't want to read about Donald Trump. <laughs> For, well, fortunately, Donald Trump isn't going to the same place there the, the others probably went to, you know. But uh, <laughs> if there is an afterlife, but uh, so they won't have to deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting times. Interesting times. Yeah. So I'm. I as you mentioned that I the politics stuff. I just want to ask. So how how has the art scene in the Cleveland area sort of risen to this occasion? <laughs> are there are there new things that are going on? More things that are going on? Because I, I feel like there's all. Yeah, it just seems like there is a, a big. Um, active community in, uh, in, in Cleveland. And I think for, for a number of reasons, I mean, one, you know, we've always been working class and, uh, you know, uh, but we've also had a lot of episodes of police violence, um, like a 13 year old Tamir Rice, I believe he was 13, you know, uh, who was shot in a park in Cleveland uh, for, you know, having a toy pistol in his belt, you know, and uh, the person who called the police said, you know, somebody's playing with a what looks like a gun in the park, but I think it's just a kid, you know, uh, but the I think it's just a kid and it might be a toy wasn't conveyed to the officers. Uh, so they pull right up, jump out of the car and shoot him without even, you know, giving him a chance to put his hands up or anything, you know? And, uh, so a lot of us in Cleveland, you know, uh, we, we feel it, you know, that could have been my, my, one of my grandsons, my, my grandsons are, you know, half African American, you know? And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I could run around with a little pellet gun, you know, and everybody said, Oh, cute. You know, he's, he has a pellet gun, you know, but that was my grandson, you know, he would have just been shot yeah. and, you know, and then the, nothing happens to the officers, you know, but, uh, so yeah, between that and, you know, we, we have a, a strong LGBT community in Cleveland and we have, you know, a lot of people who really care and not, not just care, but are doing something about it or trying to do something about it. You know, we have protests. <laughs> every day, you know, uh, regarding all the different things that we need to protest about. And, uh, like there's, there's so much going on. It's hard to do everything you want to do around here, yeah. both, yeah. uh, politically and poetically. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's part of the beauty of living here, you know, and maybe it's like that in other places too, but, uh, I, I'm really proud of Cleveland and, uh, and I just keep continually be becoming more proud. But, you know, there are a lot of things that are wrong that need fixed, obviously, you know, that uh, but we'll fix them. Mm-hmm. And so with the with the written arts, like, is are there some primary venues that have poetry, some really great bookstores? If somebody says, hey, I want to go to Cleveland and hear this guy there. What are some? of? The oh, places? yeah. Yeah. Well, my favorites are, uh, we have two of the best bookstores in the country. Actually, three, you know. Uh, uh, well, I keep thinking of more. So there are actually, you know, more than three. But the, the two that really stand out uh, are Guide to Culture books uh, run by R.A. Washington. Yeah. It's on the west side of Cleveland. And, you know, what he's doing now is every book in the store is pay what you want. So you can go into that bookstore 
And if you only have a dollar, you can get whatever book you want for that dollar. You know, and some people who have more money will give more to hopefully make up for it. But it's just a, a remarkable business model. And he's not doing it to make money. He's not making any money, you know, but uh, they just have a great collection of poetry, of political, you know, important books. And it's also a great venue for readings, for performances, music, art. I mean, it's just, uh, it's an amazing thing mm-hmm. that guide the culture. And uh, on the other side of town, in Cleveland Heights in the east, there's Max Back's Books on Coventry, which is uh, three floors of paperbacks. They have the longest running poetry series in Cleveland. I mean, they've been going for like, I forget how long, 35 years or something. Oh, wow. And uh, just so supportive of the local and traveling poets and writers. And it's, it's an amazing place. And the reason I want to point out those two is uh, April 20th and 21st, Crisis Chronicles Press and Clef Jaw Press out of Denver are hosting a three-venue poetry festival that weekend. We're having poets from all over the country come to Cleveland and read at those two bookstores as well as in at Main Street Books in Mansfield, Ohio, which is about an hour south. So that's going to be – I'm excited about that weekend too. Yeah. So as soon as I come home from uh, Kansas City – all, every you know, all the poets are going to be coming to Cleveland. So, cool. it's a beautiful cool. thing. Happy Poetry Month! Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, lots of good stuff there. And then you take off again with more tours after that, right? Yeah, and uh, in <laughs> May I'm heading out to uh, New England. So I'm reading in uh, New York, New Hampshire, Maine, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that, seeing some old friends and, and meeting some friends that I only know from online. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, see, there's a full, uh, tour schedule, uh, at my website, uh-huh. crisischronicles.com. And, you know, if, if I'm out in anyone's area, I'd love to meet you, you know, and, uh, yeah, I love traveling and I love, I couldn't really do it for much of my life, you know, but the, the last couple of years I've, I've come to appreciate it more, you know, uh, it began kind of as a coping mechanism after so much loss and not wanting to just couldn't bear to just stay at the house by myself, you know, so I started traveling, but, uh, it's, it's wonderful to meet so many creative, uh, intelligent, artistic people all of the country. It's like a, an extended family, you know? Yeah. You can meet people that you've never met before in your life and feel like they're family, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's part of why I love about the Kansas City area. <laughs> There's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So you're going to be reading all over the country, then I'm going to say, hey, how about reading us another poem? <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I can do that. Um, Okay, this this poem was uh, written uh, in response to a call by Brie, the the artist we were talking about earlier. Um, She published an anthology of water poems, and all the proceeds for that anthology went to help communities in Africa uh, dig wells uh, that, you know, communities that didn't have fresh drinking water. Um, so I wrote this poem for that, and uh, it's entitled Dry Cast. I've got water on the brain, but can hardly translate it into words I believe can quench your thirst, whether in the Sudan or Northeast Ohio. I've got water in my veins, and I'd gladly bleed to satisfy your worthy need if I believed it would do the trick and I can survive the loss. Okay, maybe I do, and maybe I can, but I'm as afraid of bloodletting as I am to believe that there could be water enough to keep you alive in these syllables when my spirit seems drier than ash and blowing toward death. (laughs) 
But though I fall apart, my limbs like embers put out by winter, my blood escaping prodigally onto the barren February earth, where my favorite pen lies half-rusted and half-frozen, I pick it up and attempt to get as much of my blood as possible onto paper into the form of words and get them to you, perceived inadequacies and all, before both they and we dry out completely, rendering our water, words, and translation obsolete. It's a great poem for a great anthology. What a, what a beautiful thing that she did by saying, hey, this is something we need to bring attention to and we can give some money to through this book. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, she's one of those people, you know, in Cleveland. They were, I was talking about that just put her, you know, her time. Well, she no longer lives in Cleveland now. She's moved to Kentucky, but she lived in Cleveland for a long time. Put her, uh, you know, money where her mouth is, you know. Yeah. Uh, put her action where her words are. But, you know, hopefully we can all do that. Yeah. And, and she's this amazing creator. Like for people who follow her work on online, you can see examples where she has these art pieces that she's created and then she'll show a photograph of what was uh, manipulated to create this and, and it oh yeah surprise you but it's like oh man that that brain of hers is so creative it's beautiful yeah she is amazing she can just take a beautiful photograph, which most people would just be content with, hey, I got a beautiful photograph, and she'll totally deconstruct it and turn it into something, you know, that may or may not be related, but, you know, a totally new, unique piece of art that, you know, you would have never imagined coming from that photograph, but she had the vision to see it. Yeah. Uh, I admire, I admire that. Yeah. And you connected with her through art, through, you know, that, that thing of we, we encounter people by getting out and experiencing art, too, and, and build some great friends, mm-hmm. as well as a great experience of, of being able to witness this presentation or see this painting or, you know, read this book, whatever it is. It's a it's a great connector, and that's again my love of poetry. It can push people. It can let them know that they're not alone. It can make them laugh. It can make them cry when they need to. It's it's good stuff. And it's and I and I was one of those people who had, I guess, terrible teaching in you know high school. And and if anybody had told me that I was going to be interested in poetry based on what it seemed like from high school, I would have said, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. My high school English teacher was the one who gave me my high school diploma at graduation. And and his, his words of encouragement were go forth my child and sin no more. Yeah. <laughs> Strange experiences in school. Anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> I could definitely relate. <laughs> so in life for you, in addition to writing and connecting with artists in that way, what are some of the things like travel? What are some of the things that, that are things that you do because they're really nourishing for you? Well, music is, is one thing, you know, uh, listening to all sorts of music, but also, you know, I perform well, a lot of, I don't really perform a lot publicly, but I like sitting around in my house and fooling with the keyboard and writing songs. And uh, uh, that, that in some ways is even more enriching to me than writing my own poems, you know, uh, because you can, you can write the words, but then add in another texture with uh, the, with the music, but yeah, music and uh, going to concerts, but also history. I, I'm a huge history buff. My first degree in 1990 was in history. And uh, 
like last year when I drove across the country, uh, I used poetry events as the excuse. You know, oh, I have a reading in Portland. I have a reading in Oakland. Therefore, I have to go across the country. But some of the and and those readings were wonderful. There were some great experiences, but some of the best experiences from the trip did not involve, you know, words. I mean, they were, you know, visiting historical sites. I went to a wounded knee or I went to, you know, uh, Mount Shasta in California or, you know, uh, Standing Rock, you know, and those were some of the most moving experiences, just me by myself, you know, uh, learning more about the history and just feeling, you know, the, I don't know that I believe in supernatural or spirits or anything, but it, it felt almost like, you know, I could feel the ghosts speaking to me, you know, embracing me, you know, like paying my respects to the people who'd passed before, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, a, almost like a religious experience. And the same thing, like going to uh city lights books in San Francisco, which I had always wanted to go to. I felt like I was walking into a church, you know, it was, yeah. it kind of amazed me how warm and fuzzy and moved I felt, you know, cause I knew I was going to enjoy it, but it was, it was almost like a religious experience and I'm not a religious guy, but uh-huh. But the emotions, you know, emotions can just sweep you away. Yeah. And and that that concept of being in places and, and honoring that knowledge that we can't know all the details, but all the people who have been here and had different kinds of experiences. To me, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the beauty of you know both in nature and in in buildings that have been around for a long time. Yes. With with all that past. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that to me like I I enjoy people and so sometimes, you know, my thought about travel is not I don't care so much about where I am. It's it's about the people I get to interact with. But I also mm. love wandering and looking and thinking. And I, mean, the, I, I love old buildings. I love, you know, imagining the stories. Kansas City um, has a union station that that um, was is now a center for different kinds of exhibits. Like right now, one of them is the Art of the Brick, which is this national exhibit of uh, famous artworks, sculptures and paintings recreated in Lego blocks. You know, it's like, and, and we went there at, at uh, Christmas time. It was the first time actually I'd ever been in. And since it's been this thing of, it has kind of a museum type, I don't know exactly what to call it. I don't know what they call it, but, but you can wander the building and, and as we're wandering and I'm thinking about oh, you know, people have, have been in this building as the train station, you know, coming and going from sad and wonderful events in their lives. And as we're wandering, you know, I see this cluster of people and there is a pair of people getting married, you know, and there's there's life mm. going on now and life going on in the past. And I think, man, this is the kind of stuff we need to to slow down and experience what's really around us. You know, and, and sometimes yeah. we, we, we rush too much. So slow down and see what you'll see. Today I see that the daffodils in my front yard got frozen and they're sad. (laughs) (laughs) In my case, it's tulips, but. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll come back again next year because this happens. It's all right. Yeah. So traveling is good for your soul, huh? It is. And it, and it makes me slow down, you know, uh, like you said, you know, sometimes we rush. I mean, I feel like I'm rushing now, you know, I'm talking so fast, you know, uh, I, I get into these zones where I'm working on books and working on this and doing this and doing that, where I'm just rushing, rushing, rushing all the time. And then it's when I get in the car and have to be in the car for several hours, it forces me to not rush, you know, uh, 
not not only because I don't own a speeding ticket, but you know, <laughs> uh, it makes me you know be alone with my thoughts or with music or you know, and and with nature and with you know new places and uh, it's really you know nourishing for the soul. I need to do that more often. I'm not just uh, travel, but you know, find a way to slow myself down while I'm at home, uh, yeah. while I'm you know. But that's part of my process I'm working on. <laughs> uh-huh. And how does your writing, your own personal writing, fit into that? With the things that you love to do, different kinds of experiences, having, I'm guessing, pulls in a lot of different directions all the time. Um, how do you How do you write? Like, how do you, do you have a routine? Is it... When it happens, you sit down and give it that time. What, what's it look like for you? Well, I don't really have a routine, and I, and I have flirted with a routine. I've tried at some points to make myself sit and write every day, or but I find that when I force it like that, I don't mm-hmm. always get the best stuff. I mean, so at least for the beginning of the poem, you know, for the genesis of some of my, you know, what I think are my best poems have all come spontaneously, you know, where I wasn't really intending to write, but something hit me and I had to write it down, uh-huh. you know. Uh, now, as far as once I have that germ or that, that initial draft, then I can force myself, you know, to on a routine basis, sit down and make myself, you know, revise, edit, look at it with fresh eyes. So I'm I'm better doing the editing on routine than I am in the initial creation, you know, which mm-hmm. just has to I have to be inspired and and have enough downtime where I let that come to me, you know. If I'm too busy, uh, sometimes it doesn't come to me, you know. Uh, 2016, you know, the last year, you know, when Jerry was so ill and I was really busy with you know things that were more important, uh, I didn't write but a couple poems that whole year because uh-huh. it just, you know, didn't come naturally. It didn't, didn't feel right. But then, you know, other times, you know, now I'm kind of in a period where it's starting to flow more naturally again. So I'm trying to honor that and, and make time for it and uh, let it come. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also thinking constantly about, Oh, but, I need to be doing this and I need to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just published uh, uh, a book called Serving by Carrie Gunther Seymour. She's the poet laureate of Athens, Ohio. And it's, it's a beautiful book. Uh, it was inspired by uh, her son was overseas in the military, you know, and, uh, was, you know, it's a hard, it can be a hard experience and for a mother as much as for the, the soldier, you know, yeah. and her, the poems she wrote came out of that experience. Mm-hmm. A wonderful book. Uh, and then now I'm also working on a book by Stephen Smith, who is a, a Cleveland art and poetry legend, you know, uh, for 40 some, 50, I, God knows how many years. Um, and this is like a a lifetime compilation of you know his best work over all those decades. So, wow. I, yeah, I'm kind of like I'm writing my own stuff, but I'm focusing more on on these books at the moment. You know, uh, at yeah. least I'm gonna get his published before I head to uh, Missouri. So I'm excited about that too. That's a really good book, uh, and it has some of his collage art in it as well. And he, he's another hero of mine. So, I don't know. That's exciting. So much to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, sort of my my life is so much to do. And then I get exposed to something like, oh, but I, and then I want to do it in this way. And then I want to do this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh-huh. So, like right now, <laughs> I, I always have books beside me when I'm recording because I, I, have I always have books beside me? It seems like, but 
So I, so I have a friend, my dear friend, Paul Ross, who's in Oregon, who um, asked me to be one of the uh, kind of beta readers for his third novel. And so it arrived on, I think it arrived on Thursday or something, but I have this deadline for something else. And it's like, first I wasn't even gonna open it, like unwrap it to see the cover of it. It's like, no, I'll let myself look at it, but I can't read it until I finish this other thing because I know mm-hmm. I get lost in the book and I don't, I, I have to sleep at some point and I have this other, you know, it's like a shit. <laughs> so, so I totally relate. It is right here waiting. It's luring me to finish my other project first. <laughs> and in fact, I think I'm finishing <laughs> the other project a day early as a result. <laughs> anyway, so there's always much to do. And and for people who, who think, well, hey, I think I want to submit something to, to John Burroughs to see about Crisis Chronicle Press. Here's what I'm going to intervene as, as somebody who loves this whole process. If you think you want to send something to John Burroughs for Crisis Chronicle Press, first, buy some books from Crisis Chronicle Press. Explore the website. Buy some books. Get a feel for what kinds of work that John has a passion for. Don't be sending him stuff that doesn't belong in Crisis Chronicles Press. <laughs> and, you know, and I think about that in general. I think sometimes people are like, oh, I heard that name. I'll send it to them. It's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, you need to invest in, in this process. I'm a huge fan. It is National Poetry Week, excuse me, month. April is National Poetry Month in the United States of America. Buy some books, folks. <laughs> <laughs> And and well, I will, thank you very much. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Buy, enjoy. Use books are great <laughs> gifts. They are great to to have and hold and share. It's great to go to readings. And for those people who don't get this yet, when you're buying books, when you can buy them from the writer, do that. When you can buy them from the small press, do that. When those options aren't readily available, go to your local independent bookseller and have them order this book for you. Do not start by going online to major retailers and letting them get most of the proceeds of this book sale. We want, I want my money for the books that I buy to get as much of it as possible to go to the people who created it, you know? That's why I say this other stuff. And so do Absolutely. that, people. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Here, here. Yeah. And and the same with the, you know, sending work to people. Buy stuff. Don't just read stuff online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's important. Because we, we're this weird this is a weird culture that we live in, even though it's there's not one culture of this country, but that the idea that there are certain things that are really elevated with lots of income potential and others that are beautiful and nourishing that, that sustain us but we think we don't have to pay for it. Well, that's just not right. You know, that's that's not right. Anyway, okay, lecture over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree entirely. Yeah. Although I do give away a lot of books, especially, you know, if people buy, you know, buy several books, I'll throw in an extra copy or, you know. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. I, I support the presses. That's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. And the poets and the artists. So, and artists. happy national, USA national. I keep saying USA because, like, we aren't the only country in the world. <laughs> happy USA. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And we are at the end of the hour. You heard a little bit of poetry from John Burroughs, and I know you want to hear more. John, you've got all these areas of the country that you're going to be reading in. And so we're going to, on the Talk With Me page with the post about the show, I'll, I'll also put out, you know, that how people find some of those venues, not venues, but dates um, with the information on your websites and such. You know, we want people to get out, not just during April, but year round. Get out, man. Experience new, yeah. people, new things. And John, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Marsha. It's been lovely. It's fun, and there's this 
dangling over the head of my Midwest listeners that John is going <laughs> to be in the Midwest as this month as well as in October. So lots of opportunities, lots of books, lots of goodness. And I also need to thank Daniel Smith because he produces the show so people get to hear us. Yay. Ah, thank you. Thanks. And so long to our listeners. Until next time.